the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I dedicate and pledge that if you listen, I'm going to try to do my best. I know there's a lot of other options out there. I know the Warriors won a pretty sweet game last night. And you're probably thinking to yourself, I can hit the button here. Those yokesters talking about the game and how I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) I both love and hate sports radio. Let's talk about what we heard yesterday. Have you ever been in public and someone yells at their wives or the wife snaps at the husband or you see two young people and you're like, did he just insult that person? Did he just call him a poor piece of, you're like, oh, that gets your attention. You know, it gets the attention of Wall Street is anytime someone who's got a billion dollars in assets or more comes on CNBC or Bloomberg and says the R word, everyone snaps their head. They look at him like, did he just say the recession on the air? It's okay. <laughs> First and foremost, I, I, I think it's important to understand some things about recessions so we don't have to freak out. I like recessions. I think they curb excesses. Um, okay, okay. Now, this may be too much of a, an analogy or a stretch, and you probably don't even need it, but every now and then you go through a period where you have a bender. You drink too much. You're like, oh, I'm not going to drink for a week. Your body curbs the excess and says no. Every now and then you go through like a, a really hot and passionate uh, girlfriend experience, and you're like, then your body's like, you know what? I need a break from all this. Um, it takes a lot of work to keep up with that person. Every now and then your body goes through. Uh, you, you see what I'm trying to say, right? It curbs excesses. When In 2000, we needed a recession because all the 90s, the stock market was going higher and higher and higher. And it was like, if you had a radio show, you'd be like, it's the golden years. It's the best of times. Put on your happy dancing feet. We've had that. <laughs> We've had that even during a pandemic, as far as investors go. Recessions are normal. They're healthy and they curb excesses. Um, I have had an excessive 10-year run. I'm okay taking some pain and getting humbled and resetting my expectations a little bit lower. Rampant inflation, rising interest rates, retreating stock prices. Those aren't the R words. The R word is pandemic recession. Recessions are parts of the warp of the economy. When you have a dynamic economy and you try to think of it as a piece of wood, uh uh-uh. It's going to be unpleasant if you think of it that way and you're going to snap. I like recessions. And typically, there's something that exasperates a recession. Something like COVID-19, an Arab oil embargo, soaring, oh, the Arab oil embargo was 1973. Think about that for a second. We were not ready to be energy independent, were we? Soaring interest rates, it's always something weird and big and dynamic. Bad legislation, 
we're going to tax every American 50%. Or These are the big events that cause recessions. Uh, the Smoot Hawley Tariff Act of 1930. Recessions that are problematic are the ones that are like, you just don't have a labor force. It's too old. So when you see something like Japan goes through 20 years of not necessarily contraction, but of no growth, you go, that is painful. Japan's got a very old society. One thing that, again, this is Rob going into political territory, don't get mad. Immigration is really good at creating people who take low-paying jobs that other people don't want to do. When you take a low-paying job, you create a social economic benefit for the people who don't want those jobs. And the fact that they're able to get your services, and we're going to just be cute because we live in California, of picking fresh fruit. I don't want to go out in the fields when it's 110 degrees in Bakersfield and put on a hat, and that's my only sun protection. Nope. So if you stop and think about it for a second, economies that have had access to cheap labor have thrived. And I can go dark on you. And taking an economics class in college, I think we were all appalled to hear the United States had cheap labor with slavery. And that caused our economy to thrive more so than other parts of the world. China has incredibly cheap labor. Now, you could say China's economy has slave labor, yes, or something that looks like a modern-day version of it. Who benefits? Apple. They make a lot of their phones in cheap labor countries. Taiwan, Japan, uh, anytime you get that cheap labor. Now, you hope it's cheap labor because they're 16 years old and not because of the color of their skin or their religion. But recessions happen, and it's usually a big big event, COVID-19, Arab oil embargo, soaring interest rates, bad legislation. Why do they call them recessions? Because calling them depressions would, would cause America to commit suicide, maybe. After the Great Depression, a term once considered milder than a panic or crisis, the term depression for an economic downturn seemed particularly terrifying, believe it or not economists started using the word recession as a way of circumspecting the true meaning of what was going on. The pandemic recession included levels of unemployment not seen since before World War II. In the 2007-2009 recession, certainly had uncomfortable similarities with the Great Depression, where you saw big banks fail, financial institutions become a financial crisis. Um. This seems pretty normalized when you step back a few levels. What uh, what constitutes an an official recession? Um, And again, first and foremost, we created the term, which is hilarious if you think about it. Like It's like when you tell your kids, ah, shake it off. They've just taken a soccer ball to the head. You you might have a concussion. It's like, nah, he's just going to shake it off. It sounds a lot better, and they do. He just bumped his head. Two quarters of consecutive GDP contraction is the standard shorthand for a recession. Um, GDP is not everyone's favorite indicator, believe it or not, when it comes to looking at a recession. Some people look at domestic production. Some people look at employment. Other signs of recession could include declines in real estate for inflation adjusted. 
manufacturing and wholesale retail trades and industrial production. So it's not just two quarters GDP. I would say the employment one's a big one. At 4% unemployment, do we really have a problem looming? We might. The pandemic recession, a trough in monthly economic activity occurred in the United States in April of 2020. Previous peak in economic activity occurred in February of 2020. The recession lasted two months. It's the shortest recession I've ever been through. It was pretty weird. It's pretty, I'm not going to say pleasurable, but the hindsight of it was it, it won't feel as bad. The average length of recession, going back to 1857, is 17 and a half months. Now, I'm talking about this all because one person on CNBC talked about it yesterday. And just get more used to it, more comfortable with it, and it'll be the demon known versus the demon unknown. Recession has actually been shorter and less severe than back in 1857 under Buchanan. The long-term average includes about a 1873 recession. It lasted 65 months. The Great Depression lasted 43 months. Could you go through four years of a uh, down economy? where numbers are getting worse, not better, whether they're the housing numbers, whether the housing cost numbers or the labor numbers, whether it's GDP, whatever you define it as, factory production. Would five years ruin you? It shouldn't. That's as bad as it's ever historically gotten. I'm Rob Black. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show. It takes a lot to get wealthy. I'm Rob Black. To me, the definition of wealthy is having enough money to live until the day I die after I stop working for a living. I always like to add other voices to this show, whether it's a mortgage person, a realtor. They may not have the right answers. They may not have the right tools all the time, but the more tools you have from our side of the fence, the more it's going to help you create wealth over time. Joining me today is CFP and Regional Director of EP Wealth. That's quite a title. Congratulations. You've cleaned up and grown up nicely. Chad Burton, he used to be with me at New Focus Financial. Now he's a Regional Director and Certified Financial Practitioner with EP Wealth. You can find him on podcasts on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google as well under New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, let's continue our financial discussions, shall we? I think that was the most formal introduction in the 22 years we've been doing radio. Thank you. I I got a little, not weepy last night, but I, I appreciate how you and I've blended together. Not always perfectly, but we've, we've worked and we've moved forward. Um, yesterday, when we were talking, you talked about paying off your mortgage versus investing in bonds. Ooh, I don't know. It's like that, that can create controversy for a lot of people because- Mortgage is the house, and they have really hard opinions on real estate. Let's talk a little bit more about this. Um, what do we need to know? Well, I mean, there's, there's always different options. What's interesting about financial planning and why I love it so much is that mm-hmm. there's never just one right answer. Sometimes we present two or three options to, especially a couple. And I, would, my, I might say, this is the one I would do if I was you, but which one makes you guys feel better? Right. And, and then we make that plan work and we work around it. But the, the mortgage issue, I, there's a lot of people that listen to me in the last two years regarding this issue as they go into retirement. Hey, it might be, 
you're already overweight in, in equities. So if you have some cash and you have options of putting money in CDs or bonds, which is typically the more conservative side of the portfolio, um, you could consider paying off your mortgage. And so typically if, if this is brought up, it's usually right for people that are 55 plus. So they're you know within 10 years or less from retirement. They already have a financial plan. They're already maxing out IRAs, uh, Roth IRAs, mega Roth 401ks. They're doing all of those things that are a much better use of money. Mm-hmm. They already have a portfolio, Rob. So it's people that have already been investing. They've already done a financial plan where they say, okay, I'm on the glide path to retirement. I'm, I, I've, I've been investing properly. And it's typically a situation that I'm seeing that there's extra cash to invest. So okay. let's say you inherit a couple of hundred thousand dollars from your parents. Yes. Let's say some RSUs vest your original ones and, and you get a good windfall from that or some stock options or something gets sold. Um, so you're sitting on a bunch of cash and you're trying to figure out what to do. Yep. Or let's say you're 62 years old and you're going to retire in three years and your portfolio is 80, 90% in stocks and you need to reduce risk, right? Okay. We, we've had a rebound from the Russian invasion lows and um, you're like, okay, that was, that was a little painful to watch as I got this close to retirement. My risk tolerance is changing. It's becoming more mm-hmm. conservative because I know I need to live off of my money now instead of feed my accounts. And so you're just trying to make those decisions of what to do. Okay, if I sell those stocks to reduce my risk and create more of a balanced portfolio, do I want to throw it in bonds right now? Because the bond market is down 8 9% from January. And if rates continue to rise, and let's say we go from 2.9 on a 10-year treasury to 3.5 or so, you could see some more pain in, in bond funds. And so... Um, by paying down that mortgage, it might make you feel better, right? It might make you say, okay, I'm going to use this money to pay down or pay off my mortgage because now I don't have that cash outflow going into retirement. And that allows you to kind of handle a little bit more volatility with your portfolio because you don't have that cash outflow. And what that also affects Rob is how much safe money do you need in retirement? Remember what I've been preaching on radio since 1999 with you is you need to know what your total expenses are. And if you take your total expenses, including healthcare costs and taxes, minus your automatic income, like social security, some dividends and interest, um, you know, any pensions or annuities, and what's left over is your principal draw. You need three years worth of that principal draw in cash going into retirement. And so if you have a, sm- a smaller or a no mortgage, it means you have to have less cash in the bank based on those rules. And that's kind of a good thing, right? Because it's not like we're earning much with cash these days. Yes. And here's the but. It's coming. But how about, Wendy? I know and you're talking about people 55 plus, I think, is well, I want to reiterate that. But a lot of people really? want to take money out of a home and, and get a second home or put people in rentals, even in the current market environments being hot in real estate. I'm still getting emails like, I'm bidding on houses in Dallas. I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea right now. It feels frothy. Um, how do you get out of that mindset? How do you talk people out of that mindset of it's okay to pay off a mortgage because it's okay to pay off a mortgage? 
Well, if you have plans to buy more rental properties or another second home or something like that, it'd be silly to pay off your existing mortgage that's at like three and a half percent or lower. Okay. Right. So if that's part of your financial plan, don't even consider it. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I could picture myself and what I don't know, like, oh, it's only like 12 years away to be 55 plus, but I'll still look for rental property deals if I, if I see a good one. I'm not seeing any right now. I can tell you that for sure. But if I, if I see a good one, I'll still leverage my dollars. If As a certified financial planner who talks with both husband and wife or both spouses or just one of the people, do you ever find yourself having to like disagree with them and shake your head and go, you're taking way too much risk here right now. You're, you're pursuing a real estate dream, you know, late in the cycle. Again, I'm, I don't want to beat up on real estate. I'm just trying to say, I feel like I get a lot of emails where I have to tell people, you do know this is risky, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've talked to people about this in 99, 2006. Now, you look at the net income on a, on a Bay Area rental property. Yeah. It's just, it's not attractive. I'm sorry. Like it, I just, you just can't really make it fly. And then the idea that you're going to try to buy something, fix it up at these construction costs and then flip it. Good luck. <laughs> you know, unless you're the contractor doing all the work, it's a really tough thing to do. Um, and I love real estate. I mean, I love dividend paying stocks and I love real estate. I love dividend paying stocks way better. So Sophie's choice, you had to pick who's going to get on the train to Auschwitz and who's not. Dividend stocks or mortgages? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I got a whole podcast on stocks versus real estate. And I, I dive into that pretty, uh, in, I, I think it's a couple of months ago. I'd have to look it up. But um, So we could go to Spotify or Apple iTunes and see a podcast titled Chad Burton, New Focus on Wealth, Real Estate versus Stocks? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Oh, good. Not, I, not I the best way to spin your weekend, but certainly a financially educational way to do it. <laughs> Can't sleep at night and you need something to do, put you down, then... You can finish, you finish my jokes for me. That's no good. Uh, <laughs> let me give you a plug on the way out and we'll bring you back for another segment. It's regional director and certified financial planner, Chad Burton. He is with EP Wealth. You can find his podcast on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and much, much more. Just search for new focus on wealth with Chad Burton. He's also on this station. He takes the morning hour on Wednesdays at six. If you want to hear him live and in person, I'm Rob Black. Find him online at chadburton.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Speaking with the regional director and certified financial planner of EP Wealth. Or with EP Wealth is probably the right way of saying it. Chad Burton, longtime fellow on this show. You can find him on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and much, much more. You can find him on his website, chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. We've been talking about paying off your mortgage retirement as a decision in your mid-50s. It's an interesting thing because it may not be the same advice you would give to someone in their early 50s or their mid-40s or in the 30s. So it kind of shows that this is kind of a fluid moving puzzle, uh, floating opera, if you will. Uh, what are some of the things we should you know, think about, Chad, before paying off a mortgage? Because I kind of like the the security of not having it paid off. You know, I, I kind of grew up in the world that it's on the bank's balance sheet, but I qualify for this. I'm not 55 plus, but I'm close. I have a financial plan. So this is, it's, it's invigorating for me to think about. Yeah. If you're, you're under that age, it's better to have this cheap, cheap money that we all took advantage of, hopefully in terms of you know, buying homes or refinancing it rates mm-hmm. where you can see people have below 3%. That's going to be tough to ever give up. I mean, if you can imagine 10 years from now and you're going to look back on this 3% mortgage that you have, 
you're going to, you're going to be like, wow, I can't believe that. I mean, the first home that I bought, I think my mortgage was 8.1% and I thought I got a good deal, you know, years and years ago. Yep. Um, I'm in the same boat, same, same scenario. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, a lot of homes that have these really low rate mortgages and people are going to want to move, they'll probably be turned into rental properties. Um, the, the, the first thing getting back to those that let's say are 55 plus they're kind of done leveraging and buying more real estate. They're, they don't have a plan to buy a second home. They're just, they're really, okay. I, I'm going to go into retirement and live off what I already have and simplify life. Um, even those people that are considering this and, and let's go over again, Rob, why people are considering this. It's a very, it's a little bit of a fearful time going into retirement because you have one of the first years there that stocks and bonds are down at the same time. The overall bond market is currently right now is down a little bit more than the S and P 500. And so people are looking at this saying, Oh, okay. There's risk in both of those assets at the same time. You know, I thought stocks were supposed to go up and bonds go down and vice versa. Nope. You can get years where interest rates are rising and things are slowing down and, and both go down at the same time. So people are looking at those returns going, okay, what do I do with this lump sum of money or, or what do I do if I want to reduce risk in stocks and do I put it in bonds, but bonds are still falling. So that's why this conversation is coming up quite a bit, but before you ever pay off a mortgage, if you're 55 plus and you meet all this criteria, you really need to know how it affects your tax situation before you do it. This is why you have to have a very good detailed cash flow based financial plan, certified financial planner, a good CPA to you know, help run these numbers because you have to know how taxes work. And when you file your tax return and you're using software or the CPA is doing it, two things are happening. The, the program is figuring out whether or not it's better for you to take a standard deduction, which everybody gets or itemize deductions, which people that usually have a mortgage, um, some charitable contributions and property taxes that they usually itemize. And the itemized situation has gotten tougher for people going into retirement when they have lower mortgage balances, because now under the SALT limitations, we're only allowed to take up to $10,000 of your state income tax and state uh, property tax as a deduction on that Schedule A part of your tax return when you're figuring out your itemized deductions. So you have to run a scenario with your financial advisor, your CPA that says, okay, here's my tax situation now and going into retirement with a mortgage. And here is here it is without a mortgage. And you do have to assume when you're doing this, that the salt limitation goes away and that we get it back as one of those scenarios. Because when you pay off your mortgage and you start taking the standard deduction, it's harder to write off things like medical expenses and charitable contributions and things like that. So you do have to know how it affects you personally on your taxes. You have to have a very detailed cash flow projection financial plan that includes your distribution plan. Where are you taking money from? Because if you have to take money from your IRA to pay off your mortgage, that's the silliest thing you can do. Why is it the silliest? Because I can think of sillier. Well, let's say you have a mortgage of $200,000. You're going to have to pull out you know, 350000 or more pay taxes on that money to pay off your mortgage. Oh, That's a yeah. huge loss. Kind of a double. So this is for, yeah, this is for people that have cash outside of retirement accounts. Number one. Okay. Now you may do a cash flow projection and you, you might tell your financial advisor, I really want to pay off my mortgage uh, now or in retirement. So maybe after you retire, you might 
spread out your withdrawals from your IRA to maintain a lower bracket over, let's say five or six years, seven years, 10 years and pay down your mortgage. That might work, but not lump sums, right? So this is why you have a, have a detailed plan where you can run these scenarios where your financial advisor will run these scenarios for you. And before you ever, you know, pay off your home, or if you have, you got to make sure you have the proper insurance. And I'd probably open a home equity line of credit just in case you need something for an emergency. Yep. But I'm seeing a lot of people underinsured in the Bay Area if their house was to burn down or something like that. Most people have not updated their coverage in a long time and the cost of construction has skyrocketed. So always take a look at your property insurance. Every good five years for sure. Now, um, opening a HELOC, I want to say something and you're going to laugh at me, but I sold a home last year. I bought a home and when I sold my home, I had a HELOC on it so that I could buy a vacation home and Closing the HELOC hurt, Chad, because I closed the property that it was tied to. I felt like, oh, that's, you know, X hundred thousand dollars gone that I don't have access to play with or draw down Mm -hmm. on. And there was a little bit of missing it. I I need a psychologist, financially speaking, right? And probably even for living conditions as well. No, I get it. I mean, you know, the power of the stock market, right? You're not scared of volatility. You know that 20 plus years, the market's probably going to average 10, 11%. Uh, be positive seventy percent of the time, negative thirty percent of the time. Like I say over and over again, and when the market's down twenty or thirty percent, um, sometimes forty, like twenty twenty for a short period of time, you're looking to typically buy more. Where right. the average retiree is, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to afford to stay retired? Well, let's turn the table to who should not consider paying off a mortgage. Well, like I said, if you have to pull money from an IRA or four hundred one k, pay taxes on it to pay it off, horrible idea. Okay. Uh, if you're looking to buy more rentals and actually leverage, you know, make use of dollars properly, why pay down a super cheap loan if you're going to go eventually find some more rental properties and continue to leverage? Um, and and if you're if you're really needing the tax deduction, especially to itemize your uh, uh, ex- your deductions on your tax return, like your mortgage uh, or like your uh, charitable contributions and medical expenses, it's probably not a good idea to do it. Last year was a big year for me because I had a lot of lump sums coming my way and I created a lot of lump sums with financial actions. Um, talk real quick in under 30 seconds on lump sums and what you think about them. Well, I, I'm usually it, it depends on what you're trying to do here. If we mm-hmm. keep it in the eye of, okay, do I pay off a mortgage or I do something with very little risk? Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'll save that for the next segment. Cause there's a lot sure. to go into on this one. I think, yeah, let's do it for the next segment for sure. It's uh, regional director and certified financial planner with EP Wealth, Chad Burton. He's got an Apple iTunes, Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast. Find him at chadburton.com. New focus on wealth with Chad Burton. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. You can always find me online at robblackshow.com. It's Rob Black Show. I post lots of content at Rob Black Show and YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. I'm talking today with regional director and certified financial planner with EP Wealth, longtime broadcast host with me, co-host, 
Chad Burton. You can find him at Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on your Google phones as well under podcast shows called New Focus on Wealth. He brings a different flair of intelligence to this show. Again, it's all about putting together a team of what works for you and understanding your risks in the trip of a lifetime down the financial road. We were talking about lump sums. We've been talking a lot about mortgages, Chad. But I think 2021 was probably a crazy tax year for people. A lot of buying homes, a lot of selling homes, a lot of selling stocks, a lot of drama going on. What has the lump sum world done to the mortgage market as well as to how people are handling quitting jobs and going back to work or not and things along those lines? Yeah, the lump sum world. Well, I mean, gosh, what's a lot of cause of inflation, in my opinion, is a lot of these PPP loans that business owners took, right? And didn't end up really needing them. Most business owners I know had their best year in 2020 and in an even better year in 2021, unless they were restaurant, you know, leisure or really tied to like a supply chain issue. But most had their best years ever. And, and then you had a lot of biotech and tech companies with large RSU. So you have all this cash like running through the system right now, the velocity of money. And you know that, that will slow down a little bit, but that's, that's caused still some of these all cash buying situations in uh, the Bay Area. But between interest rates and Prop 19, I think that's going to be some pressure down on prices. Um, and do you know what I mean by the Prop 19, Rob, where... You know, you used to have grandma used to be able to pass away, leave it to her, you know, grandson, for example, and grandson could take over that home and maintain grandma's property tax base and, you know, have this $2 million home paying 2,500 bucks a year in property taxes. Well, that all went away. And so there's a, I think there's going to be a lot more homes that are inherited that are sold because they won't be able to cash flow properly as a rental property. Um, So that's something to consider as well. It's always been one of my biggest pet peeves with California, Chad, is I've never seen as many 25, 35-year-old people live with mom and dad. And they know they're going to get the property down the road. And it's even worse when you're like, property is mismanaged and it's turned into a dump. And they're like, this is my life. This is my future. (laughs) It's a weird pet peeve. And I, I, I know everyone who's listening right now in California knows someone like this. Oh yeah. It's, are you talking about like the, the, the true hardcore gamers that are in the basement and no, I, I can think of basement or? I can think of someone who's in radio. She's kind of in radio. I've known her for 20 years and she's kind of close to a neighbor now and the house is just a dump, but she can work in a job that makes 30,000, 35,000 because she knows she can live with her parents and she knows down the road, she's going to inherit a house that she could live in. But now those, those prop 19 is changing some things, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. No more. Yeah. That, that that's not going to happen anymore. So you got to be able to afford that big jump in property taxes. And Which the good will be, thing about pro- will be good because there'll be more inventory for real people to afford. Right. Yeah. Um, people jobs. Well, it is. It's just eventually that property taxing has to level out for California because it's just causing a lot of discrepancies between, you know, even being able to start a new competing business in an area. Um, but they, I mean, the good thing about Prop 19, though, is now people can move around the entire state of California without and maintain their property tax base. So if you've got a, a $2 million home, whether or not you, if you sell it and you're the proper age, uh, whether or not you downsize or upsize, you're going to be able to keep the property tax base on that $2 million. So it'll allow people to be a little bit more mobile throughout California. 
What else do we need to know about lump sums or should we move on? No, I think it's, I think there's a lot of it. I think right now with lump sum, let's say you're not wanting to pay off the mortgage. If you want to average it into the portfolio, I would just take a, a, a good four to six month approach to say, okay, here's the target for my overall portfolio and average that in over a four to six month period every two weeks and stick with the plan. Never stop the plan if things get scary, because that's really when you should be accelerating the plan. So you could always accelerate the plan if there's a good dip in the market, but never stop the plan. Just you know, keep pushing forward and, and, and get invested in the proper allocation. <clears throat> if, if people are looking for safety, a lot of times what I've been doing to people receive a large lump sum uh, and they're trying to invest it in a taxable account, what we typically like to do is alter the asset allocation. For example, I might reduce equity exposure in their IRA or 401k, especially in a 401k, we can go stable value funds. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to invest the cash in more dividend paying large cap stocks in your taxable account. We really have to pay attention to asset location when you're rebuilding a portfolio, when you get a lump sum, um, and if we have time, we can talk about things. There's, there's some people that get a lump sum and they just don't really want to take any risk out at, at all. And they don't want to pay off their mortgage. That's when it gets a little bit more difficult. I ran into a situation where, like I said, 2021 was a year of lump sum activity for me. I found I mismanaged the money a bit. I found that like I, I didn't leave enough aside for taxes. And then tax time comes, I'm like, oh. And then there was like maybe a heater that I got the, the nicer version of versus the low end version. Like I, I found lump sum was a bit of a problem for my spending habits. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, a lot of people, a lot of times when that happens, people get a surprise tax bill and they're like, okay, where do I get the cash? And they realize that, oh, I've got to sell something that's gone up in value. So to get the cash, pay the taxes, I'm going to end up paying more capital gains in 2022. Right. Um, so it, it definitely looking forward to the taxes. It's been a tough year for taxes. There's so many things that happened that affected people's taxes. It's been a crazy year, like mutual fund capital gains distributions being very, very high. Um, it, it, I think it's causing people to say, okay, I do have to pay attention to tax efficiency when investing. So there's asset allocation. You know, what do I need as a household between large cap, small cap, mid cap, international emerging markets, bonds, but there's also asset location where the larger your portfolio gets, you want your taxable non-retirement accounts to be mostly large cap U.S. stocks and California tax-free bonds, and then all the other asset classes in your retirement accounts. You don't, you do know when you're talking tax efficiency that most of us tune out, and I'm like, I'm just glad I've got a CFP that does that for me. I, I don't. It's it's too much. It's too granular. Yeah, it's, it's, it's where there's, there's places where we add so much value in yep. terms of financial planning because the market's going to do what it's going to do, right? I mean, we've had really good years in terms of performance against the S&P 500 and, and then some, a couple of mediocre years, you know, probably it's, it's kind of one of those things where with everybody looking at the same information now, most advisors, most investment advisors their large cap positions are going to meet the S&P 500. The, the small and mid cap are going to meet or exceed the, the Russell. So the market's going to do what it's going to do. Where, where you have to add a lot of value, especially with interest rates so low in retirement, affecting retirees, making retirement way more expensive, you have to be able to add value in your life by saving money on taxes annually. That means good asset location 
and a proper distribution strategy in retirement, whether that's which accounts do I draw from first, um, altering income between IRA and, and capital gains from taxable accounts, IRA to Roth conversions. You have to have the mindset, okay, I, I've now got 35 plus years to live off of these assets. How can I pay the least amount of taxes over that 35-year period? And if you do it properly, you can save thousands and thousands of dollars. It's interesting that you say what you're saying, because what a lot of people don't realize is this isn't just all coming out of your head. You don't have what are called paraplanners, but it's something kind of like a paraplanner in the legal world. You have people that help you put together hundreds of pages for a client. Um, and that's not seen because we just assume that it's in your head and like this is, comes easy to you like a savant. But you also have software that helps you run scenarios. Super important to get involved with a financial planner if you want to create efficiencies. If you want to be like me and go, eh, I made money. <laughs> Let's just live off of it. That's not going to get you very far. You, you got to have some. And that's why you and I work together. I think 25 years ago, anyone could do a portfolio. So I was like, we, I need someone who could do the efficiencies. I need someone who could take this to the next level. Yeah. yeah I mean, I explain to people, you know, we charge based on what we're managing, right? We've got a half a million dollar account minimum and a, a sliding scale. So the more you invest, the cheaper it is. And even though that's what we're charging on, it's really about 30% of the work that we do. Because with software these days, it's so much easier to manage a portfolio and monitor asset allocation than it was almost 29 years ago when I started. I mean, everything was manual and I had to look up funds and Morningstar catalogs and now everything's at my fingertips. So we have to add value in other areas um, because the, the investment side, I think, is the easy side, especially stocks take care. So such good care of you over time. But yeah, we have, I mean, four different software packages just for taxes. Uh, we have one software package that will scan in a tax return and use AI to identify tax opportunities, such as how you're doing your charitable contributions or IRA to Roth conversions, things like that. That's nuts. Because uh, I work with one of your financial planners. When I say your regional director, one of your employees is not employees, but one of your people you work with, maybe employee, I don't know, is Brad. So <laughs> I, I say I bring up CFP Chad, uh, Brad all the time on the show, not Chad Brad. Yep. And he has access to all this and he's doing all that for me. And it, it makes my life a lot easier. So I could talk about creating wealth and he can kind of do the managing of it for me, so to speak. We've got about 30 seconds left. Any final thoughts this segment? Uh, no, I think, I think what we're going to talk is, let's say, if you have a lump sum and you're, you don't want to pay off a mortgage, but you also don't want to take a lot of extra risk, what are some options uh, for retirees? I can maybe hit that on the next segment. Things like I-bonds, for example. Sounds good. I-bonds are in the news and Chad's going to be talking about them when we return. He's a regional director. He's a certified financial planner with EP Wealth. Minimum half a million dollars to have him help you with your portfolios and your retirement issues. You can find him at Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and much, much more. New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton or chadburton.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.